Hello and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast episode 239 I believe hopefully I've got that right boy we got a special show for you tonight I think this is the first time possibly that Graham has left uh, left it in control of myself John Whitmore and uh, my wonderful co-host Claire Marie Bailey Evening. hello Claire how are you doing All right thanks great to be here as always <laughs> really great <laughs> really great uh what have you been up to this week then claire um i've had quite a slow week actually john so i haven't been up to a lot but i have been out doing some shooting trying to finish my um role for the the cheap shot challenge and um, mm-hmm. i also got um the zine that toby um spoke about when he was on toby for uh, oh, the, the, the red scale red zine. scale zine death yeah. by matilda bailey yeah I, I got a copy um oh, and it's really good um she's inspired by horror photography um <laughs> horror cinematography, so it, i i got a copy and it, it's really good yeah excellent um, yep apart from that not a lot to <laughs> i actually i actually took a photo well i took a roll of film worth of photos this week which is the first time i've done it in about two months oh. and it was just it was it was great yeah. it was like I, I felt like i was trapped i've been so like creatively numb for a while like to actually kind of get stuck into something and take a load of photos has been great and i also watched manhunter that's oh. been my other inspiration <laughs> did you agree that the lighting and everything the, the cinematography is so good i did yeah i really enjoyed it um and i'd actually quite like to watch it again to kind of break it down break mm. down the visuals a bit mm. more because it's Definitely. uh yeah i was kind of engrossed in the story more than anything on the first one yeah it, it's a great film great film on all levels right then moving on tonight joining us we have a very special guest who mm-hmm. i don't think has been on the show for possibly three years um and the last time we caught up I thought it was last year, but actually it's been two years ago now at the uh, photography show. And joining us tonight is Max from Intrepid Camera. Good evening, Max. Hello, good evening. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, happy to be here. Just moved house, so a little jaded from that. But apart from that, good and excited to, to have a chat. So you you were based in Brighton, That's is that correct? Yeah, personally, yeah. So Intrepid Camera is still based in Brown. I haven't dragged mm-hmm. the whole company. Away yeah, you haven't taken the, whole, the team up with <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, I was tempted, tempted. It'd be easy for me. No, I've just moved up to, to <laughs> London. and um, But yeah, we'll be down in Brighton a lot of time as well. So I get to enjoy the best of both cities, which is nice. Excellent. Well, they're two great cities to, to be connected with. Um, so how long has Intrepid been running now? It, it, it's always been based in Brighton. Yeah, so we've we've moved around a few times in Brighton. We're currently on our fourth factory, but this is our this is our forever home now. We've got this place for a good ten years, so that's nice. But um, yeah, we have um, we've been going since September two thousand and fourteen was the official sort of start date. But the idea for the company had sort of existed about a year before that. But the yeah, the Intrepid as a company started started then. Mm -hmm. I use you. You make a range of large format cameras that are designed and manufactured. In, yes, exactly. In so that was how it all started with, um, yeah, with 4x5 cameras was the first product, uh, mm-hmm. affordable 
compact, lightweight, something that didn't really exist in the marketplace before that. A lot of secondhand cameras, a lot of great secondhand cameras, but not so much something supported by a new company. Um, mm -hmm. And that was sort of the space we filled. And sort of the history of the company is sort of entirely tied up with um, the history of sort of, well, not history, but the, the growth in analog photography from sort of the mid 2000s onwards of so this community grew up around the company and we've always worked really passionately with the community and we've been able to sort of develop new products since then that have met their needs. We've got a five by seven camera, eight by 10. And mm -hmm. um, in the last couple of years, we've been uh, focusing a little bit more on darkroom based products with enlargers and sort of completing that circle, sort of taking pictures and making prints yeah. all as one whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of crossover between large format cameras and enlargers. Yes. Yeah, the, the bellows set up and the exactly. front and the rear standard. Um, what, what was I going to ask then? <laughs> I've gone blank. Um, the, the, like the rise in analog photography and particularly large format. Um, I, I believe that like by you bringing those sort of products to market, it actually really helped that grow because like you say, there are a lot of older cameras out there that, were either not functioning very well or a very premium price point yeah so it's it, it was a very difficult area to get into i think um when starting and i, th I still think it's quite like there's <laughs> there's a learning curve isn't there like learning what lenses you need what yes exactly you need to shoot and it's quite you have to like dive straight in and just get everything to get going and i think the sort of product the range you have available really help that that happen the f the first camera yeah. that you made the four by five did you kickstart that one as well we did so that was sort of um yeah that was sort of the founding of the company really it was sort of up until that point it was a university project um mm -hmm. looking at sort of the sustainability around the analog photography industry and so focusing a little bit on the loss of knowledge with um, companies, um, sort of people who have been heading up these analog companies retiring and maybe people not going back into that industry and looking at things that in some ways a lot of that didn't happen. And I think people getting back into, into analog photography helped those companies rehire and sort of keep going. So it was quite interesting how that didn't end up actually happening. But we started out of that. And uh, yeah, the university project I decided to put it on Kickstarter after a lot of people sort of told me it was a good idea. <laughs> I wasn't too sure at the beginning. <laughs> and the basic premise of the Kickstarter was an affordable mm. large format camera that was easy to use, super lightweight. And then along with that would be this company that exists, is there to help you, there to hold your hand through getting set up. And also the creating of a community around large format photography. And yeah, mm. we launched all that on Kickstarter. That was in 2014. I think um, I was looking for something like twelve to fifteen thousand pounds, and it went up to sixty something thousand pounds. So wow, <laughs> it all the ball started rolling very quickly from that point onwards. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good start. And like that's that was quite early days of Kickstarter as well, really, wasn't it? Regards it that was, as a platform yeah. and the re the reputation of that, and people kind of trusting in it, like to actually get <laughs> something from it as well um so that that's that was a fantastic starter for you where did you move from from creating that very first four by five camera or five by four yeah <laughs> um so after that so yeah so that with the um that project we got a first workshop 
in in Brighton. Um, hired my first employee, James, who is now the head of production and has several people working under him. So it's nice that James is still part of the company from that like sort of very early stage. And initially, we just started focusing on being able to actually build the pro the product we'd promised to several <laughs> hundred people. <laughs> and uh, that took you know a good year and a half to be able to actually set up a production line. And uh, we sort of reiterated the design a few times, and there was a few teething problems with every project. I'm probably being kind by saying a few. There was quite a few teething problems, but we got there <laughs> in the end. And the platform we built with that meant we could then launch an eight by ten camera, which we did on Kickstarter mm -hmm. as well, and shortly followed by a five by seven camera, which has been surprisingly popular over the last year. I think people, uh, it's a good compromise between sort of lightweight but still a massive negative, the five by seven. And yeah, things have just sort of grown nicely from there. And we're at a stage now where things are sort of quite sort of stable. Productions lines are all sort of humming away nicely. And mm. yeah. yeah, very different so from those early garage days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the reality, the reality of going from kick, well, you hear this all the time, don't you, about successful Kickstarters. And immediately my mind jumps to having conversations with Hamish about the Pixelator and mm -hmm. the reality of going from, oh, yeah. We've had a successful Kickstarter, we've got this product, but then it's like, ooh, how do we actually make this happen now? Because like, it's very different having a prototype to having a production line to produce a lot of products, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, I was very naive going into it. Um, but yeah, you just learn quickly and just yeah. keep everyone in the loop. And that's the great thing about the analog community. They're sort of infinitely forgiving and infinitely excited about new products so <laughs> i think if we were in any other industry people would have probably <laughs> thrown in the towel but we and um, but we all got there in the end it was great yeah uh, 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 sorry claire no it, I, it, I mean it was a re it's a really good it was a really good concept because about making it accessible and affordable because i remember that period and i was interested myself and i think i'd been looking at large format and looking at kind of cameras and just what you said, John, um, you were either taking a gamble that they might work, but they were just seemed so expensive. And so that was kind of felt like that kind of um, prohibited you from even getting going. I I'm taking it that you were really passionate about large format photography anyway, before you kind of began your um, your Kickstarters, were you, were you already shooting with, with um, that large format? Yeah, I guess it... it wasn't specifically shooting sort of four by five films so much. Mm. I got um got really into photography through sort of like the alternative process corridor, paper uh, negatives. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. And with that, um with a lot of those types of process you need to shoot onto or make your photo onto something relatively large. You can't really it doesn't really work on the smaller format. Mm. So I found large format through that corridor. And um and that's what actually I ended up building cameras through that because you don't need something so complicated for, say, mm. for example, paper negatives or mm. I was quite into the um, the RA4 reversal process at the time where you make, which seems to be having a real moment in the minute, which is fantastic. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm. Um, and yeah, you don't really need that complicated a camera for that. So I started building these sort of simple boxes with lenses on the front mm. and then bellows start becoming a thing. And the, yeah, the 4x5 project... Um, really grew out of that once that sort of once I built something that sort of more resembled a camera and could actually use film with it um sort of realizing that that was quite a nice <laughs> it's quite a nice way to shoot with a, a lightweight sort of quite hands-on yeah. camera 
Yeah. And um, people just started saying, oh, can you build me one of these? And and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the link to my Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think large format is a great medium for experimentation because you, you're dealing with individual frames, whether that is a piece of film, paper, like uh, some people have tried cyanotypes, haven't they? You know, you the, the wet plate, dry plate. And because it's an individual shot, you, you're not kind of having to use an entire film before you then get to the next phase of potentially experimenting through your chemical processes or your printing processes. Um, so yeah, it's like potentially like an, an, a larger initial outlay for the setup, but then each shot is very unique. Um, yeah. I think that's that's a good way and it, it's it's open to a lot of experimentation when when you get there as well so then what are you working on at the moment <laughs> well at the minute um so two years ago we launched our first non-camera product which was the uh 4x5 enlarger attachment which converted mm -hmm. our 4x5 cameras into enlargers so you could essentially put the light source in the back point the camera down hold your negative in the back and project it onto photographic paper and make prints. It wasn't mm -hmm. an original concept, I must admit. Um, it was something that existed in uh, was it the 50s and 60s of Graflex had a um, an accessory. It didn't sell too well, but press photographers used it. And I really liked the concept. And I think it was partly because of that early work making sort of large prints and experimenting. I did kind of miss the ability to make prints. So that all came out of that. And it was a really fun thing to play with to be able to make prints in your house and be able to actually have physical, tangible objects that you could put in a frame and put up on the walls. So that a really nice feeling. So we never stopped tinkering with the idea of enlargers since that point. And over the last couple of years, we've been working on um, a new enlarger for 35 millimeter and 120 film. But this okay. one uses some new technology so it can do color can do black and white can also be used as a backlight for scanning with a digital camera similar to how the negative supply products work mm -hmm. um so yeah so that's the new product it's a compact 35 mil and medium format and larger it doesn't come with a big stand so you can um, pop it in a shoebox when you're not using it you simply clip it onto a tripod or a copy stand mm -hmm. and you can load mm -hmm. in your 35 mil negatives and then all the way up to six by nine and you can make amazing prints from your film at home in your bathroom, cupboard, kitchen, shed, so wherever you want. This is a this is a whole unit. It's like a lens board and bellows. Exactly, and it's the, the whole right thing. Well. Okay. Yeah, everything you need. You just need to clip it onto a tripod or something. Um, it comes Excellent. with a control unit, which is how you can go from black and white mode to color printing mode or to scanning mode. It's got four dials: one for controlling contrast, so you don't need to use filters. Mm. which is mm -hmm. a huge help when you're first learning darkroom printing. Um, one, because you don't have to buy another accessory. Photography is an endless list of accessories you've got to purchase. Okay. And with this product, it really cuts down on the amount of extra bits you need. And mm -hmm. two, um, because it's the contrast filters are controlled by affecting the amount of light, you don't need to adjust your exposure times depend for higher contrast, which you do with filters. Right. It's just another yeah. thing you don't have to learn in the darkroom. Yeah. So again, with our cameras, we're just trying to make darkroom printing a lot more accessible for everyone. So it's an affordable product, yeah. compact, lightweight, easy to use. We're here to support you and hold your hand through learning to print. 
and yeah that's the product really in a nutshell that that's that um contrast filter change things a dream when starting out because like, i don't know if you can see behind me i've got devere 504 yes, and i, I was um originally doing contrast changes it's got a color head on it so i was changing the color filters to change the contrast but then that changes the exposure time required and mm -hmm. it was a massive pain and i've got i've got below the filter uh, below the lens filters now mm -hmm. but i have to change the attachment around every time i change the lens and it's all right so there's none of this none of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> extra faff which i think when you're printing in a compact space the less like the you don't want to have to be reaching around to get all these filters and doing all this stuff and i'm sure the like sort of people who have spent a lot of time in the dark room would be hearing this and thinking well i don't mind doing it and that's absolutely fine because this product's more for people wanting to get into printing for the first time mm. and it's for sort of giving access to people who have sort of maybe discovered 35 mil photography a couple of years ago and then to be able to sort of have access to darkroom printing it really completes the whole circle so if your film was designed to be printed while well, she can make beautiful scans nowadays Mm. it's it's not what the film was like the chemistry of the film was initially designed for it's designed to be printed in this way so bringing that ability to people who don't necessarily have the space or budget for a big professional enlarger in their house is um what this project's all about so what what would somebody need to buy in addition to the kit to to get a basic setup going so you're going to need a focus finder so you mm -hmm. can focus your image onto your uh, paper. So you can need some paper. We've tested a lot with Ilford Multigrade paper, uh, the RC Deluxe, or if you're color printing the Fuji Crystal Archive, we've calibrated the color settings for that specific paper. But it's basically the only easy to get color paper, so that, <laughs> that makes that easy. Um, you can need some trays, three or four, depending on black and white or color. Uh, well, you need some chemistry to develop develop your paper. Some tongs couldn't hurt. <laughs> Pair of gloves. No, you don't need them. <laughs> so you don't stink a stop bath after a day. Um, well, so you a do. lens. It's not a massive. A lens it's not lens. Yeah, a lens. The great thing about uh, darkroom lenses, and I almost don't want to say this too loudly because I feel like I don't want it to be like a big rush, but they are so cheap. Yeah. You can get like a darkroom lens that would have cost like 400 quid back in the day for like 20 quid on eBay. It's brilliant. We, I've bought like some really, really nice lenses just for like 99p because no one bid on them. You should, it's you amazing. should start sc scooping them up so you can yeah. ship them with your... Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the whole kit is it's it's much cheaper than getting into large format photography, for example. All the little bits you need to buy are all very reasonably priced, which is, which is yeah. great. I, I saw somebody um, just doing some basic prints just by using a 35 mil camera and projecting a light through that through mm -hmm. their lens that they use to take photos with and creating prints and it's like if you're just starting out and you just want to make prints even that sort of basic setup is a great way to get going isn't it and this i can see is like a really solid step up from that basically just yeah. bodging something together this is like you could actually you're actually making you, you can be making solid choices about what you're creating with with mm -hmm. your setup um what's what's the technology behind the the light source so <laughs> it's that... um so it's leds there is um, how many is it so it's 240 is that right yeah 240 separate leds 
of various types, colors and spectrums and temperatures. And they're all controlled by a very clever um, computer that we saw. We haven't designed the computer, but the code on it's quite smart in the way it controls all those different lights and different sort of balances. So you've got, for example, it controls the blue and green levels for affecting your contrast on the mm -hmm. black and white paper, because that's how that works, it's different sensitivities to blue and green. And then for obviously for um, color printing, it controls your cyan, magenta, and yellow. And then even for um, the scanning option where you backlight your negatives, you pop the light source off the back of the enlarger focusing body. And you can pop it down and then point a digital camera down at it and use it to backlight your negatives and then scan it that way. And we've mm -hmm. even calibrated the backlight so it's specific for different films. So you've got a setting for like Portra 400, a setting for okay. Delta 100, because they all they all work sort of slightly differently. And it basically means you have to do a lot less editing and color balancing when inverting your negatives um, mm -hmm. on Photoshop or Lightroom or something like that. So having this yeah. really clever light panel as like the main technology behind the enlarger is meant that we can do things with it that enlargers haven't have never been able to do up until this point that's that's really interesting because like i i love my enlarger you know it's like it's something that i've spent a lot of time with and i got it years ago and it but it's clunky and it's old and it really needs a service and there are parts about it where you just wish like there were modern elements to it like so, like having like so i'd i'd love to be able to have um its store settings can can your attachment has it got like a memory or anything like that associated with the, so it, the computer it doesn't have that currently but what it does have is a uh usb port in the back and we'll be progressively over the next few years of the project successful doing firmware updates to add all sorts mm -hmm. of new functionality so that'll be again a first an enlarger that can grow with a community if people have got good ideas of how of how um, the enlarger could work we've left sort of quite a lot of room of capability in the timer mm -hmm. unit so if people have got new ideas i mean that we hadn't thought of we can add yeah. uh people can just plug it into their computer and update update the firmware on it and then you'll have this new functionality and obviously that's all for free and something that we'll just be working on as we oh, go because we that's, like that that, that's the that's the modern day isn't it you know mm, so exactly you buy yeah it, you buy a bit of hardware and it, it can be updated through software and I really, I really like the sound of that. Hmm. So when um, when's it launching? So it's launching on Friday the 19th, which I believe when this goes out will be tomorrow um, yes. at 6pm GMT. So uh, the whole team will be in the workshop looking at the screen, <laughs> having a beer and we'll click launch. <laughs> and I guess we'll be available, maybe we'll do a an Instagram live or something like that. So it'll be available for people to shout questions at us as it's launching. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it, this one. Um, and we've always been excited about the Kickstarters, but this one's been such sort of a labor of love and such a long process and so many new skills learned. It's quite out of our sort of wheelhouse of things mm -hmm. that we were good at previously, which was carpentry. <laughs> and now we're, <laughs> now we're designing PCBs and coding and things. So it's really exciting to see like all of that really hard work over the last couple of years come to a point where we can probably share it with everyone it's, it's interesting that there's a few things that are starting to creep out now aren't there like you've got uh the reveni labs light meter um just thinking about new analog 
tools that are using modern day electronics they're like you've got um the camera dactyl and um, mm -hmm. mongoose as well like they're just they're starting to appear in the marketplace and i can imagine the complexities behind actually releasing electronic devices to market is far greater than like wooden cameras for example it is yeah it is far greater but i think the barriers to entry for electronic stuff has really particularly the barriers to prototyping electronic stuff have really come down in the last couple of years which is basically how we managed to do it because you don't have to you can do almost everything in-house now before mm -hmm. even if you wanted to get a prototype circuit made you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of pounds whereas now it costs like a few pounds and yeah a lot of the stuff is like because of projects like arduino and raspberry pi and things like this um a lot of a, there's a lot of people online prototyping all sorts of things and a lot of the knowledge has been democratized about how to make this kind of stuff it's not all just existing in uh, tiny black boxes where you don't know what's inside it anymore yeah. which has been a fantastic community to also sort of tap into when designing all of this um the electronics and the sm small electronics community is just as friendly and nice as the analog community mm. <laughs> and i guess like tied into what i was saying a minute ago that that then facilitates it being an upgradable platform for the future you know because it's not bespoke hardware that's got a very fixed purpose there there are large possibilities for where it, where it could it could go exactly i have a quick question regards the timer is it second based or f-stop based it's currently second based but that comes back to there's no reason why in a year or however long the project takes to fulfill it's time we can't release a firmware where you hold down the on button for 15 seconds or wherever and it goes into f-stop mode mm -hmm. there's no reason why we can't <laughs> add that on but for now it's uh second based just because all the prototypes have been second based and i'd hate yeah. to put all my like spreadsheets comparing contrast results i'd hate to have to like convert it all to oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're staying second base for my sanity. sorry for <laughs> sorry for mentioning that <laughs> I, the only yeah, reason i ask so is i i upgraded to um an f-stop timer uh probably two years ago and it completely changed my life regards printing it like it actually made a lot more sense in some respects um and just made my workflow a lot mm. lot easier in understanding regards vi visually what results i was getting um but uh, like when you when you start researching printing on the internet as everybody does it's all second based isn't it everybody's working in time mm. i think yeah it's easier to learn yeah yeah have you claire have you done any darkroom printing yeah i've done that second based <laughs> as well yeah mm -hmm. Island as well. Is, is that the proper term for it? Second base. I don't know. I'm just saying seconds. <laughs> I did it in seconds as well. But I like the sound of this product because it's making me think that you could you could travel with it, couldn't you? You could literally have a you could have your your um I don't know your eight by ten camera and and you're enlarged and you could literally travel around, couldn't you? You could have your literal port portable portable dark room. Yeah, definitely. That is, that was a consideration that people could um yeah uh, that you maybe you're going on like a six month yeah. work placement somewhere or something like that or yeah. working somewhere for a few months that doesn't necessarily have darkroom stuff about 
yeah you can i mean yeah it fits it's currently in my backpack like i've got an enlarger darkroom timer <laughs> in my backpack so as you do <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 quite an interesting angle because i know there are certain places in the world that don't have a lot of enlarged like on the second hand market they don't have a lot of enlargers available so i assume your enlarger would be relatively cheap to ship and um, yeah. as well compared to a, a traditional enlarger yeah it weighs 1.2 kilos all in so yeah not too bad wow that'd so, be good and get it out to some of those those places that that struggle to, to have a yeah place i really hope so well. actually because we've got um we've shipped four by five cameras to I mean, like places you'd never think would have an mm. analog community all over the world. And it's been amazing to be able to sort of email with these people or talk on the phone about sort of the, the analog communities in their countries or, yeah, literally all over the place. And yeah, to think that we could get some darkroom stuff out around the world as well that hasn't necessarily had or has lost almost entirely its sort of darkroom uh, facilities is, yeah, that really, I get, get really excited about that sort of idea that it's, yeah. Because I think a lot of the, the a lot of the media you see around analog community is very US UK based, mm. so it's really exciting that there's also all these other places that have got their own communities, and to be able to link mm. everyone together is yeah, it's one of the, the fun parts of the job. Claire, have you ever used large format before? No, well no I've never used large format, but um, it's it's something that really interests me and um like i was saying earlier i remember when intrepid came into being um i remember reading about it and i was interested in getting a camera if i would like to have an 8 by 10 camera um that's what i'd like and and also i really like you know polaroid 8 by 10 film mm. but i know you need all the processes and, and everything f uh, for 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 that but um no no it's it so i've never i've never shot larger format but it definitely interests me and so if i was to get one i'd probably go for your 8x10 camera or should <laughs> i not or should i go for the one Claire, claire's swimming in cash basically so she wants yeah. to buy uh, <laughs> yeah, the 8x10 yeah. polaroid processor yeah, yeah. i've been look, yeah, looking at i know it's because the film for that alone is so expensive I was yeah it's not cheap yeah. um eight, the great thing about 8x10 is you can do contact printing from the negatives and have an eight by ten print mm. at a one to one quality ratio of eight by ten film, which is kind of amazing. Mm. I can't remember what the megapixel equivalent is, and it also it kind of doesn't really make sense megapixel equivalent, but it's something like five hundred megapixels, something stupid like that. That's probably mm. not right, but like the quality is ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah, also, think... my... sorry, John. Uh, no, go on, come on. I'd say with eight by ten, you could also do if you're looking at alternative process things like paper negatives. Yeah. Things that you're producing much bigger work and it, yeah. well work sort of that kind of makes sense for an alternative process type yeah. process. Yeah. It's, a, it's a much more versatile camera, but it is much bigger and I would say a bit trickier to use in the four by five. But okay. it's good fun. Mm. <laughs> what size have you got, John? Is it eight by ten you've got over it four by five? I've got the eight by ten intrepid and the reducing back as well for that, mm. and then I've got a four by five chroma. But I, I the eight eight by ten, I tend to like you're saying, I tend to use that for alternative stuff as opposed to mm. straight to film because it's really easy just to get some eight by ten paper 
and, and shoot straight onto that, isn't it? You know, it's like yeah, with four by five, you've got fun. to cut it to the exact size, you know, to fit in the holders. Um, so yeah, it's a really easy workflow, and you end up with a massive print at the end of it as well. You know, like yeah. you've got something solid to hold on to. Um, and I think it would work quite well actually for you, Claire, like in relation to your Polaroid work. I mm. think you you get a lot of satisfaction from actually producing like paper negatives from it and then doing contact prints and those. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. So do you ship your, your cameras worldwide then, Matt? Yeah, we do. Um, the UK only makes up about 20%, 20, 30% of mm. our customer base. Um, the US is a big contingent yeah. Yeah. as well as uh, sort of the bits of Europe closest to us, sort of Germany, France, Spain, places like that um but yeah we, we've sent them to all sorts of interesting places i shipped one to iran a couple of days ago and had a really nice chat with oh, um the guy who brung me as, after he shipped because we shipped it a little bit earlier than expected and he was really excited um yeah it's really it's lovely to be able to ship um, mm. and all over there we've got a big map in the workshop where we scratch off countries that haven't quite reached yet and it's we've we've <laughs> nearly got them all yeah <laughs> yeah yeah what uh, what sort of trends are you seeing regards um, film stocks that are being used? Because like you you sell film through your mm -hmm. website as well, don't you? I believe. Are you are you seeing any any growth in certain areas? Um, the countries that you're shipping to is is film stock available in those countries as well, or are they having to import it? We've seen we've seen quite big growth, not with film, but with cameras in australia and uh japan recently mm. um i wonder if it's just word takes a longer time to get to get around to the other side of the world <laughs> maybe it's just that <laughs> uh, with film sales the two that were always out of stock of are portra 400 mm. and the new ilford but well, the, the sort of relaunch of ilford ortho as well mm -hmm. we always run out of those two really quickly delta 100 is also like really really popular um the one that hasn't been nearly as popular as i thought it would be is the um the e kodak Hector, the slide film they launched oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we got a big shipment of that when it just came out and we're still getting through it so that's sort of shows you um but yeah the reason we're probably always out of stock of the kodak film is and this isn't a dig at kodak which <laughs> just like it's just the back orders take like months it's ridiculous <laughs> i mean right. that's rich coming from me when we take like two months to ship a camera but but still <laughs> <laughs> but it, kodak's a different beast isn't it but they're I, really I big yeah. Think, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think like a lot of companies has been difficulties hasn't there particularly in the last 12 months um yeah, with getting stock so. around that was a it was a friendly a friendly dig. I love Kodak and what they do, and the fact they're launching new a couple of new films as well is it's incredible. So, um, yeah, I just I love their film so much. That's why I just want it to hear quicker. <laughs> At least <laughs> it's not going in the direction. Of, they're not going like Fuji, are they? And actually pulling films. It's like they, exactly they're, they're doing the opposite. Adding, yeah. So that's which is that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what aspect ratio medium format does does it go to? So we're going, so the holders it ships with, you've got a 35 millimeter holder. We're also going to do a stretch goal on Kickstarter, which is where if we go over a certain uh, amount we've raised, where we'll do a 35 mil holder, where you can see the um, 
sprocket holes as well, which is quite cool for printing with the sprockets and the film yeah. name. I was playing mm -hmm. with that yesterday in the darkroom. It looks quite cool. Um, and then you've got the next size you've got is six by four, five, and you've got six by six, six by seven, and six by nine is the largest medium format. Okay. And then, um, then if you want to go up to four by five, you'd be looking at our pre-existing four by five product. But we are going to, if um, the Kickstarter is successful, we are going to move the tech from this new enlarger over to our four by five uh, enlarger back as well. So they'll be sort of in line with each other in terms right. of capability. And is, are they two separate? They, will they always remain as two separate products simply because of the size of the the, the enlarger? Yeah, well, with the new enlarger that we're launching tomorrow, um, that comes with sort of the bellows and the focusing mechanism and all that. In as sort of, it's basically what you'd expect to find on top of the column on an enlarger. It's almost <clears throat> exactly the same as that, where there's a really modern light source on the top. So that. Whereas with the four by five enlarger attachment, it's just a light source that clips onto the back of your camera rather right. than being sort of the focusing mechanism in the bellows as well, because you already have that on the four mm -hmm. by five. So the pro those two products probably stay separate, but whether we go on to do sort of a, a, an XL version of a, our tripod mounted new enlarger that can go up to four by five, is, I don't know. We'll see how, um, yeah. we'll re it's really got to see how this Kickstarter goes. And then if it proves popular, then I can see in the future, I'm hoping, and so what we've invested in is that Intrepid will be known just as much for our darkroom products as our large format products is kind of the route we want to take. We really think that printing in the darkroom is, you know, one of the most rewarding parts of photography, but also one of the most underutilized. And if we can help yeah. people access that, which is what we're all about, then, um, then yeah, we'll be really happy to do that, whatever the product direction is really. I, I completely agree. I'm always trying to encourage people to to print for their for their work. So like you're saying it's what the negatives are designed for. They're not they're not made to be scanned, even though the technology has facilitated that. They're there mm -hmm. to be printed through an enlarger. Um, and it, the it's always the same things that crop up, isn't it? It's space and time, mm -hmm. and you can't solve people's time issues when it comes to it there's no you can't gift people time through a kickstarter <laughs> what are the pledge tiers going to be on the kickstarter campaign so um we're going to have as with all of our kickstarters we're going to have some um like a really good deal for the first 25 backers which will be at the minute it stands around 160 pounds um for mm -hmm. the full kit which wow. is a pretty good deal Really and then good. for the standard kit, you're looking at £220, which is still going to be cheaper than it's going to be retail. And obviously, if you're backing us on Kickstarter, you'll be very involved with the whole sort of design, well, finishing off the last 5% of the design process, an opportunity to chuck in some last-minute ideas that will go into the design. And we'll obviously be sort of sharing content with you about setting up the production line and all these exciting things that you get sort of wrapped in with being part of the Kickstarter process. With this one, I will say that we're a lot further along with the design and development of this product than we ever have been before doing Kickstarter. I'd say particularly even with the first Kickstarter, I didn't even know how to build the thing when we launched, whereas this time <laughs> I've, we've got 10 working models out with testers on YouTube and various Instagram people using them, making prints, like the product works. We've basically finished the design. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping this one, fingers crossed, will be a pretty smooth process in terms of Kickstarter timescales. 
but I mean, you, you never know. But so yeah. this is this is the big question: What sort of time frames are you setting yourself then to to try and? Meet? So we're looking to well, well, obviously the Kickstarter will be running until mid-April. Then we're looking to work with the community to finish off the development of the product sort of over summer, and then late summer, autumn, just as people are starting to go back indoors and thinking about doing a bit of darkroom printing. We want to get mm -hmm. them into people's hands, into people's houses, so they can, so they can do some printing of all their lovely shots they took on their summer <laughs> holidays, etc. <cetera. laughs> That's, That's the plan. Particularly, um, yeah. Particularly Northern Hemisphere winter is the time. It's a very Northern there. Hemisphere focused plan, and I apologise, Southern Hemisphere people, for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you say, Australia is normally six months behind the times with these things. So <laughs> yeah. That'll be perfect for their winter there. Right? <laughs> yeah yeah no um yeah that's 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 the plan so yeah i think i'm i'm quietly confident that we um we've kind of already worked out a production we've worked off the base of we assume that this will be popular i'm hoping mm -hmm. that'll be popular mm -hmm. so we've already sort of made some key investments bought some um of the stuff we need we've kind of sort of front-loaded taken a bit more of a risk on this one assuming that it will go well mm -hmm. yeah. so a lot of the stuff that would only happen once the money turned up which is 40 days after the launch we've actually already done so yeah um hopefully this one will be a bit of a smoother process than um previous i ones. think um i think it's it, it's going to have a lot of interest because it's a shame graham's not here actually because he was admittedly he was looking at large format enlargers but it's it's a minefield trying to find secondhand ones and prices are continuing to rise in the secondhand mm -hmm. market and mm. the same with cameras, you don't always know what you're getting and the condition it's in. And they're incredibly difficult. Well, you can't ship them. You, ha you generally have to buy something that you can go and collect or is local. Um, so I think that there's huge potential for what you're creating and there's going to be huge interest in because of those factors. It, you know, it's the same with your cameras, isn't it? You're eliminating that, that complexity step that, possibly put a lot of people off getting into dark green printing mm. um so yeah good luck with it thank you very much I hope it goes yeah. really well I hope it goes well we would love to get a sunny 16 one Ooh, yeah, yeah i can I'll put your yeah, logo on the back i think we get a sunny 16 <laughs> one and we have our like get together when we're all coming together and we're going to do pictures we can have we can we can have one for the to uh that, when we're like on for, <laughs> that, that's a good like for just thinking of people doing workshops if you yeah. the sort of like photographer that hosted weekend week-long workshops on locations you could take one of these along couldn't you and set up a darkroom yeah, yeah. develop Absolutely, people's yeah. film and print on on location which would be great fun yeah it works yeah, off any the enlarger itself is actually only 12 volts so you can run it off any power supply you can run it off a car battery if you want you know it's, it can be used anywhere wow. You don't necessarily have to have mains power that you can run it off batteries. Um, so I don't you, know how you long it would last. But... <laughs> you could do it at an event then, couldn't you? You could have it like in the back of your car almost if you could set Absolutely. it. Like it's the same a, with our 4x5 enlarger. Um, people have used them in camper vans because you often have a 12-volt mm. or caravan. You often have a 12-volt system there and you can just plug it straight into that and it works perfectly. So, yeah, that... could use to travel. So, so how does that affect the exposure times in comparison to traditional enlargers uh no it's all balanced and counted and worked out by the electronics inside the box right. <laughs> so no it's um the light source is so 
I test, I think you've got the same in larger as me. I test everything compared to a Devere Fiber 4 with a multi grade head. Mm-hmm. Um, and the exposure times are very similar to the Devere. Okay. The Devere is actually um, like a mile up the coast from the Intrepid factory. So oh, the guy who started Devere, John, um, has popped in a few times and he sort of shared a few Excellent. kind words about the project, which has been really nice. Uh, I, I fixed one of his Ilford print processes the other day we printed in some new gears for it so it's nice to have a, a company like Devere who's been going for such a long time nearby that that's a seal of approval that is isn't it yeah yeah I, I don't know if I can quote him on it but <laughs> he seemed excited about what we were up to so <laughs> it's, it comes back to that enthusiasm and of keeping like film going isn't it and people using analog like technologies and stuff to to create prints and it's this is the new generation of of that and integrating it all so excellent stuff max congratulations on uh, getting this far so i hope it goes really well during the launch and we will yeah we'll keep a close eye on it do you have any more questions claire no i i love the sound of it i i feel like i'm sold and we'll have to get a 16 one and i i i love the idea of of um traveling with it you know and even even if you had your chemistry with you and you're in your little hotel room, not that you tell the hotel, but you could be printing away <laughs> in your <laughs> evening. No, I I, I think I'm I think it's great, really great. Could we get um, a special light box that permanently prints like a Sony sixteen logo on anything that comes <laughs> out of the enlarger? <laughs> yeah, put in a little like, acetate filter or something, hide it in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure I'm yeah. sure we can work that. <laughs> you've got to get the branding on anything that comes out of that enlarger <laughs> great stuff well thank you very much for, for listening everybody we will I do, I, do you know the name of the song that we play on this show Claire <laughs> well before should we ask um, Matt to tell listeners where the, the what's the website Matt that we can... oh that's a good idea Max yeah tell us uh, tell us where people can go on Friday products um Yes, so the um, yeah on Friday the uh, if you're on any of our social media or mailing list, you'll get emailed a link to the uh, Kickstarter. Or if uh, you're not sure where it is, just go onto Kickstarter and search yeah. for Intrepid Camera, or we'll have a link to it on our website as well. Um, anything that we have on the internet, we'll have the link to it all over it. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And it will be on every print that comes out of the enlarger as well. Yes, it will have your exactly. website on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Everything will be Great watermarked too. with our logo that you print. <laughs> it's not true. And that won't course. happen. <laughs> Friday, we'll, uh, Friday. We'll, we'll, we'll put all the links in our show notes as well, so you can follow through from there. Um, and what's, what's your Instagram and Twitter and Facebook? Is it all Intrepid? Yes, all at Intrepid Camera Co. Brilliant. Um, Thank you very much. And Claire, where can people find your work? Um, I'm just Claire Marie Bailey everywhere. Instagram. All over the world. All over the world, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we look forward to speaking to you soon. Don't forget to send us an email on sunny16podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram. I think the sunny16podcast on that. See you all soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.